Shalom. I am Leontine. And I'm Alan. Bruchim Habaim. Welcome to our podcast, Yala Israel. We invite you to discover the life and history of Israel, past, present, and future. Yala is a very popular slang expression in Israel, originating from Arabic, meaning, come on, let's go. So, Yala. Hello, Leontine. Shavua Tov. A good week to you, Ellen. How are you? I'm pretty good. You know, <laughs> you're not going to believe this. I had, I was guiding a family, and we were in the foothills of Jerusalem, in the Shvelah, and the seven-year-old child was doing a project at school on bats, and he said he wants to see bats. Okay, he wants to see bats, and we were going caving. Oh, and you don't like bats, I remember. I, well, I don't like bats, but <laughs> guess where I took him? To the Shvela, to the Adulam cave? Ah, uh, that's ah, close. No, to the one that we talked about in our uh, podcast. That's right. I oh. took him to Lutzit Caves. Okay? Yes. If anybody listened to our podcast, you know we went to Lutzit, which is very difficult to find, way, way off uh, the beaten path. Uh, and so I took this family and this seven-year-old child in search of bats. And I, you know, the road getting there, first of all, is very, very difficult to find. And then once you find it, it's kind of off-roading. And uh, we get uh, into the field and we're climbing through, remember the fence? The um, fence said, yes. keep, keep out. You know, it says, yes. don't, don't come in. Well, we found an opening in the fence and we're crawling through the, it, you know, people, we had so much rain uh, this past winter that the weeds and the thistle and the, the, the everything has grown up so high. So you're like walking through a forest of a very prickly uh, thistle. And the seven-year-old is complaining, complaining. He's getting uh, he, the thistle, the, the, the thorns are getting into him. And, he's, and I said, well, we can turn back. He says, no, I want to see those bats. <laughs> so we did. We, we found the caves and he saw two bats Ooh. and he was happy. Wow, and you? Were you happy? I I stayed away from the bats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, po That's I pointed. Scary. I pointed to the bat. Okay. How was your week? So my week was uh, interesting. I was guiding this week a Malaysian family. So. Uh, Do you mean Malaysia? Malaysia, Malay, Malaysia, Malaysia. Well, it's difficult for me to say Malaysia family. You know, Malaysia is the I think the only country that officially forbids. Uh, people to go to Israel. Um, now, they, they lived in Malaysia, but they actually had passports from Singapore. So that's how they kind of managed to travel here. But they... You, I, don't, I don't think you can travel here from Syria, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia. Ah, right. But is it, uh, I think a Malaysian passport, it says that you are... Yes. Right? Did, you, did you see the passport? Yes, yes. Well, they didn't... No, no, because they were, had Singapore passports. So, but they, they told me that indeed it says in the passport. So, yeah, no, for sure there are... You cannot come here from Lebanon and Syria because we are still in state of war with these uh, countries. So, that's true. But um, now, what is... They, these people, they were Hindu. 
they were especially there was the parents and their adult son that came and the, the mother was very very interested in everything that had to do with religion so she was very spiritual herself and she prayed at every uh, Catholic church that we went to, so an Orthodox church, it was it was very interesting. The father was just very curious about Israel and about Jews in general, and you you could see that he lived had lived most of his life in a country where they spread all this propaganda, bad propaganda about Jews. And one of the things that he uh, was completely convinced of is that uh, the Jews are all rich. And that we control the world. Uh, but he didn't say it in a nasty way. It's just something that he believed that was true. And uh, he was very, very amazed when I told him that we have many poor Jews uh, in all over the world. And uh, he was very surprised when he actually saw a bag, uh, you know, somebody begging in the streets, in the market, for instance. You have Jewish people, uh, religious, non-religious, that are beggars, like everywhere in the world. And he almost dropped off his chair when he saw them. So it it was, but it was very interesting to guide them because they had no idea what they were looking at, and so it was very great, you know, very um, nice for me to be able to, you know, to give them some insight and to explain to them. And they were very happy with the the, the few days that they spent with me. So it was interesting for all of us. Wow, that's that's incredible. So I'm sure that they were very enlightened. Uh, from the experience with you and, and learning um, about Jewish culture uh, and religion. So, uh, wow. Yeah. Kol, kol yeah. So today's topic is, uh, is a very special topic because we're going to talk about uh, Leontine's story, her story of, of uh, immigrating to Israel. We, we feel like after, what is this, thir- is this our 13th episode? Uh, this is our number 14 14, already. so after 13 episodes, it's uh, probably time uh, to reveal ourselves to you. And today, Leontine's going to tell us about her journey uh, to making Aliyah, to immigrating to Israel. So, Leontine. Ellen. Tell us, uh, tell us your story. How did this happen? Yes, how I, I ask myself this question almost every day. How did this happen? How did I end up here? So, uh, well, I was born in Holland. And um, from uh, my parents, both are uh, Jewish. But like many uh, Jews uh, in Europe, uh, didn't practice Judaism at all. We, I just knew I was Jewish um, always. I've always known I was Jewish. Um, as my, the family of my parents were living in Holland during World War II, the, both the family of my father and the family of my mother, uh, many of the members of those families were murdered during World War II. That, that is also something that I grew up with uh, knowing this, and um, it's very determinating for for. Uh, the rest of your life, this kind of uh, fact. Um, And uh, I am not that tall, and uh, now my hair is (laughs) grayish, but it used to be black. And, you know, in my time, when I was young, most um, Dutch people were blonde with blue eyes. Now you have a lot of immigration, so a lot of mixes. But in my time, I was kind of uh, looking different from uh, Dutch people. So I always felt very Jewish, very different, but I had no idea what it meant being Jewish. Um, what I did know is that probably one day I would marry a Jewish man. 
you know that was I wasn't really so focused on marriage but uh, I figured mm. I would marry a Dutchman, but a Jewish man. Sorry, but I didn't. I don't. I didn't why, know why. Why? I mean, uh, no idea. Your family didn't ever no. mention that you should marry Jewish. No, def- no. My parents were devastated actually when I married a Jew. They were like, for them, it was a, a big shock. It was, uh, and I, my parents, I apologize to you now if I gave you any uh, hardship, and I, I understand. But for my parents, it was a, like a confrontation with their own past, I guess. Um, I have to tell you something. Or when, like, when I was eighteen, nineteen, I already found when I saw a, a man, Jewish man, walking around with a kippah, I thought it was kind of sexy. <laughs> so it's, uh, I was really attracted to. Uh, to uh, to to something, but I had no idea what it was. Now I know why Shlomo wears a, a kippah. Exactly, it makes him even more sexy. So, uh, uh, in my search for Judaism and Jews, uh, no idea where I had to look and what I was looking for. I just had no idea. Um, I met my first husband in Paris. Uh, who turned out to be, it's, it's not an accident, of course. I went, it's a funny story. I went into the the most famous Jewish restaurant in Paris called Goldenberg. Um, I met uh, the son of the owner of the restaurant who thought I was looking at him, but actually I wasn't wearing my glasses because I thought I was prettier without my glasses. So actually... I don't see anything without my glasses, so I never, ever saw him. But, you know, he thought I was looking at him. He came to speak to me. And anyway, we married, uh, had three beautiful daughters, and he was my introduction into the Jewish world, okay? Because this was the most famous Jewish restaurant in France, uh, in the Jewish neighborhood in Paris. So I got to know all all the important and less important Jewish people in France. I got to know about the history of the Jews in France, in Holland, and I, I, I learned what it is to be a Jew, to do uh, Shabbat and to go to the synagogue and what is Yom Kippur, and I learned a lot. Was his family uh, Zionist? Were they, did they have uh, no, a connection so, to Israel? No, no connection to Israel, but his mother was very religious. She she became very religious later in her life, and I had a very good relationship with my mother-in-law. So I would go to her every Shabbat, and like every Shabbat we would go to her. Um, and his father was just the own. You have to understand that this was the Jewish restaurant in France. If you say to a French person, the Goldenberg restaurant, they all know what what this restaurant was uh, was about. Um, very, very famous. By the way, there was a, a terrorist attack uh, against the restaurant in the early 80s where many people died and where, uh, in fact, uh, it was an anti-Jewish attack. My my first husband was present. He was there when the attack took place. So um, now we divorced um, and then I met my second husband. Now, my second husband who was also Jewish and from the very beginning, um Shlomo and this I, sweet Shlomo, Shlomo. my f- sweet Shlomo, we we had this project where we said that uh, we would like to, you know, in our quest, because Shlomo had the same uh, path that I went, like looking for his roots and understanding what is Judaism, but the only thing is that he, for different circumstances, started his quest um, 20 years after me. Um in our quest to to what is uh, what what is it being a Jew, we figured that the, the 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 ultimate step was to go and live in a Jewish country, and there is only one Jewish country, which is Israel. So, 
uh, well, because of many different reasons, we couldn't. We married tw about 20 years ago. We couldn't come to Israel right away. It's it was it turned out to be complicated because of the you know the the children and the ex wife and, and etc etc. But it, we took our time, and eventually, after about 10 years, we we ended up in Israel. And and this was our idea to live in a Jewish country, to be part of this country to work here, pay taxes and, and be, you know, really uh, live a Jewish life in the in the Jewish country. So so as a Jewish country, not necessarily a place with Jews. I mean, you could have gone to live in New York City that has uh, millions of Jews. No, because uh, the the what we felt, for instance, when we were living in Paris, even though in, in France and in Paris there are many, many Jews, that on a Shabbat, Saturday, it's, uh, you know, we would respect the Shabbat, not we wouldn't work, we won't go shopping, we don't take the car, etc. But all of Paris is bustling with activities and the shops and the cafes, everything is open. And we wanted to live in a country where you live according to the Jewish rhythm of life, you could say. That was one of the things that we were looking for. And... Um, I would say also I find in, in in Israel you find a lot of similar stories to ours. So we don't stand out here. We are just among all the other people that ha many other people have the same history and family history and uh, reasons why we live here as as the, why they live here as we have. So before you had this idea of of needing to live in a Jewish country or moving to a Jewish country, did you know much about Israel? I mean, did you have an idea of of actually what was happening in Israel or what yes, was... Yes, yes. So we uh, made, from the moment that we met, we came here once or twice a year. You know, it's very easy to travel from Paris to, uh, to Israel. So once, or I think we came here twice a year. Uh, my sweet Shlomo managed to get uh, some jobs here. He, he was a consultant. Uh, so he actually came here for work. Uh, so, yes, but of course we had an idealized picture still. It's only when you come and live here that you actually really know what this country is about. Uh, but we did know where, uh, we, uh, we, where we were going to start a new life. And we did prepare it very well. That was also, that's again, thanks to uh, Shlomo, because me, I would just go and we'll see what happened. But Shlomo, you know, with him, we really prepared it very, very well. So... Which is the reason why today I'm working and uh, as a guide, and I got my license, and uh, you know, and, and now I, I actually fulfilled my dream. I'm paying taxes in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> so your dream started though after your marriage with uh, Shlomo. Yeah. Well. Did you ever imagine in your in your life, okay, before uh, that transformation, uh, after your second marriage, did you ever imagine that you would be living in Israel, or that you might even consider living in Israel? It was somewhere back in my head, but I think I had to do it in steps. So my first step to uh, my Jewish life was going to Paris because I immigrated twice, basically. I immigrated from Holland to Paris and then from Paris to Israel. So uh, my first step was uh, already getting to know what is Judaism, what is the Jewish world, what is a Jew. Uh, you know, it was moving to Paris and entering the, into the life of the Goldenberg family. And then I think step number two was going to Israel. Maybe there is a step three, but uh, I don't know what it is yet. Step three beyond Israel? Yes, I guess it's not possible. So I think this is my ultimate step. But um, no, so I, I did it uh, in uh, phases. So first, phase one, 
Jewish world in uh, discovery in Paris and phase two, uh, Israel. And uh, is Israel what you expected uh, before you moved here? Uh, I, I think yes, in fact, because um, we, you know, uh, I would listen to the, there is a French Israeli uh, radio television that I would listen to a lot. And so, yes, I knew uh, that it would be all pink and amazing in the beginning, and then it would become more difficult uh, later, because that's the way it is. Huh? When you go somewhere, you see only the good things. And then once you're there for a longer time, you see also the, the downsides. So, uh, yes, it's more, it's, it's as I expected, but it's actually better than I expected. One of the things that I would never have expect, expected was to actually live in Jerusalem. I thought, you know, I'm kind of uh, hip and uh, young spirit. That's, you know, what I like to think of myself. I'm not sure it's completely true, but uh, that's the, the uh, myself idea. And I figured that Tel Aviv was the place for me. That's it. Uh, I would not have imagined that I would have preferred to live in Jerusalem. I love Tel Aviv and I love to go there, but I love even more living my life here in Jerusalem. Um, so it's in the same time what I expected and in the same time, it's actually uh, even better than what I expected. What are some of the things that you love about living in Israel now that you made Aliyah? What I love here is, uh, like I said, the living here according to the rhythm of the Jewish re uh, religion. So like, like the holidays are all the holidays, Jewish. The, the Shabbat, just the Friday afternoon where you can uh, smell all the dishes that people are cooking for their Friday night Shabbat. Um, in the afternoon, it becomes very quiet. Even the secular people, you know, they stay home and they they prepare also for Shabbat. Eh? Also the secular people, they do. It becomes very quiet in the city and then starts Shabbat and you have the, the siren, you can hear a siren in very, very uh, low, but you can hear a siren that tells everybody, okay, it's Shabbat now, you need to light the candles. Uh, and then you see, you see the people in the streets all rushing off to the synagogue. I just love this whole um, Jewish rhythm and that everything here is uh, turning around it. Uh, the Israeli people are super annoying, but super interesting. Everybody has its own, his own or her own amazing story. When you start to question people about their life, their, most of the time their lives are just mind-blowing, you know, with events and whether you were born here or you came from abroad. Um, so in general, uh, I would say only good surprises, politically, a lot of instability and so on, but I, I, life is very intense here, but I really, I really love it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's special. And y all, y all, you can't see uh, Leontine's face, but I can tell you when she talked about Shabbat and the holidays and her Jewish life here, she was smiling from ear to ear and, and, and beaming. So it is a, it's, a, it's a special place. Now, you started talking about your family. Do you mind my asking, what, what does your family think about uh, your uh, becoming an Israeli citizen and living here? Ah, so that's, uh, for them, it's complicated, very complicated, because I come from a family that is left-winged um, and, um, in general, pro-Palestinian, I would say, if you 
talk about the um, political cause, but very respectful towards my decision. So I know that they were very shocked, that they were not necessarily happy about it, but I am very thankful to them because they haven't um, yelled at me or... Uh, so basically we avoid the subject. I think that's one part of my family is um, uh, supporting my decision, actually, uh, more uh, supporting and more uh, maybe, I don't know, but I think it's difficult. Basically it's difficult for them, then I feel very sorry for that I, I, I gave them this, um, this uh, difficult uh, aspect in 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 to to their lives that they, they have to deal with it also and eh, that i moved here uh so for them it's difficult yes yes but it's all i think it's also uh in my family uh my parents have tried really hard not to uh, focus on uh, judaism so and then if you have a daughter or a brother or a sister or an aunt or uncle or whatever going to israel it's it's like wh why why is she doing this what is going on it's it's i understand that it's not easy for them but you talked one of your daughters joanna uh lives in israel she just graduated uh from tel aviv university mm -hmm. and uh you have two other daughters that are still still in in france yes Do you ever so i have basically i have three daughters uh nina flora and joanna And uh, Shlomo has three sons. We are the Brady Bunch. Eh? We, uh, you know, there was also a show in the U.S. many, many years ago called My Three Sons. But, ah. uh, but you, you touched on the one that really is yeah. more accurate the, to your family, the Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch, yes. I, I watched it when I was little. Now, um, so my, uh, when I moved to Israel, in fact, my youngest daughter probably... Um, probably, I'm not sure, but probably kind of um, influenced by the projects that Shlomo and I had to move here. She decided to move here one year before us, all by herself. Um, and uh, uh, so she arrived here when she was 18 and she she's very courageous. She went to the university and then she lives in the kibbutz and she learned Hebrew and then she went to the army for two years and she was a helicopter mechanic and Then she studied, and now she is a, a licensed engineer working uh, full-time uh, here in Israel. My two other daughters uh, were a little bit older, and they already had their life in, uh, in, in France. So they, uh, they didn't feel the need to come. Um, they supported my decision. But once I wasn't there anymore, they did uh, regret, and they did um, uh, criticize me. For the, for the decision, uh, I have to say. But you know, listeners, mothers, uh, if there are mothers uh, in listening to this podcast, you know how daughters can be tough with their mothers. So that my daughters are the same. Um, so they, they have criticized me for the decision to leaving them behind, especially when they have had children themselves. And then suddenly the grandmother was living far away. Now, Uh, and it's been difficult for me too. They, they, I miss them a lot and I miss my grandchildren a lot and I try to go very, very often. And you know, Ellen, that I do go very often eh, uh, to France to see my children and grandchildren. So to spend as much po as time as possible with them. But for them, it was difficult, not because I choose Israel, but because I was absent. That's uh, which I also, I feel, I apologize and I feel very um, bad about it sometimes. But then, uh, you know, staying in 
friends just for, you know, because then I'm close to them. One of my daughters actually said, you know, when I became, I felt very guilty. She said to me, you know, mama, uh, in fact, uh, I see you now more often than when you were living uh, a few blocks away from me, which is actually true. So Leontine, thank you very much for sharing your story with me and, and our listeners. Um, so the question this week uh, actually came from somebody that I was going to be guiding uh, this week. And they, she, uh, this is Brooke from Tennessee. She wanted to know, are there mosquitoes in Israel? Ah, so I think we're going to disagree again. Uh, I would say no. <laughs> now, Alan is That's just uh, because you don't live in my Raising my his apartment. hands to the, <laughs> to the <laughs> sky. <laughs> and Alan says, so you say yes. You remember my wife, the one that doesn't like to turn the air conditioning on, kind of yes. like you. Yeah, like me. Uh, she likes to uh, uh, keep our windows open. So our windows and doors to our our, our balconies, our mirpesot, are always open. Um, and we always have mosquitoes. Um, in fact, I could count on uh, the fingers on both hands right now all the bites I have on my on my body. Uh, we we actually have to keep our our fan our ceiling fans on as fly swatters through the night while we're sleeping i hear the bzz, 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 bzz. Um, but yes there are mosquitoes in israel maybe not at leontine's house but they are at my house uh, and i think a lot of it is because people run their drip irrigation they run their sprinklers uh, and it collects water uh, especially in the summer because it gets very dry here so the water pr- might pool pool around the, the the hard surface but we have lots of mosquitoes leontine i'm glad you don't know that um good, okay. f- good for you yeah so i have two advantages first of all mosquitoes prefer my sweet shlomo so probably because he tastes better i don't he's know so sweet he's so sweet so when there are mosquitoes they all go to shlomo and they leave me alone secondly we live um, on the last floor of a, uh, not a high-rise building but we live on the sixth floor so we live too high is my guess for mosquitoes um so i we don't get but ellen why don't you get those uh what do you call those those things that screens. You, screens um the reason is we have uh, our apartment is an old we're in an old building with old windows and when we renovated our apartment we chose to keep the old windows and they don't it's not easy um to insert screens so it's it, it's i don't even know if it's possible actually we've been told it's not possible uh, I'm sure anything's possible if you're willing to pay for it, but um, uh, for now, we just uh, we live with the mosquitoes. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and thank you, Villa Brown, for hosting us. Uh, see you next week. Thank you for listening to Yala Israel. As always, you can find us on Spotify, Buzzsprout, or your favorite podcast app. You can send questions or contact us on Instagram at Yala Israel Podcast. Talk to you next week.